0: Welcome to my podcast, Traumatic Transformations, where we help you find hope, peace, and purpose after a big life change or a traumatic event. I'm your host, Kunjini Patel, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist, trauma specialist, and a neuroscience nerd. Join me as I dive deep into resiliency, post-traumatic growth, and normalized mental health to reduce the stigma associated with it. In each episode, I plan to deliver science-backed, actionable tips and strategies so you can take back the control over your life and be inspired to be the best version of yourself with each day forward. So tune in every Tuesday for a featured guest and every Thursday for a solo episode with me, where we unpack mind, body, brain, and spirit connections related to each episode with the featured guest. Just a quick disclaimer before we begin today. The purpose of this podcast is to inform you, educate you and raise your awareness. It is not intended to replace any medical advice or professional help seeking that you may need. So please use this information wisely and any opinion that I cast is not to replace any medical advice. And quickly before we start today, I just wanted to ask you a favor. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe so you never have to miss an episode. Thank you so much. And if you rate and review, it would really help us with the algorithm so people can easily search the show if they would like. So I would really love to hear your feedback and what you have to say uh, so I can bring you the content that's most fit for you. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Traumatic Transformations. Today, we have with us a very amazing guest. So if this is your first time tuning in, I would recommend that you subscribe if anything that you hear on the show resonates with you so you never have to miss a future episode. And I would also like to ask you a favor before we get started. If you like what you hear, please be so kind and um, rate and review us. Um, so that you, we can continue the longevity of the show, and we love getting your feedback. So today um, we have with us another amazing, amazing guest. Her name is Pratibha Day, and she is a visionary author, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, teacher, and the founder of Chai Together, LLC. Pratibha has overcome. so numerous adversities in the South Asian culture. Her academic background is in the interpersonal communication and education. She's an advocate for women, children, and elderly on her show Chai Together, where she advocates for mental health and physical well-being. Her upcoming book is uh, entitled resiliency a woman's journey from scarcity to success what an amazing story she has and given that our show is all about resiliency self-healing uh, strength and post-traumatic growth I can't wait to dive into Pratiba's story uh, so thank you so much Pratiba, for being here
1: Thanks so
0: much for having me. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to have you here. So um, without any further ado, let's dive right in. So tell us a little bit about um, what your story has been and a little bit about you um, so we can get to the good parts of where you, how you became who you are. You have an amazing, amazing um, credential and a bio. So I'm really excited to get to know what led you to who you are today. And for the listeners, if you real I would really encourage you for this episode especially, um tune in <coughs> till the end because she's gonna leave us with some amazing, amazing nuggets that she discusses on her show and all the things that she do. So please stay tuned till the end, even if you have to listen to
1: this episode in part. So um bar, let's get started. Yeah. So um My story is uh, of trauma all throughout my life. So I just turned 28. So prior to last year of January, I lived in trauma. I lived in clinical depression, body dysmorphia, suicide ideations all of my life. I was five. I was sexually abused at five um, while I was in India and then led on to be molested by other family members as I grew up up to age 10
0: Mm.
1: and led on to be physically abused by another family member at the age of 16 and it really, I never really had any breaks. Uh, so people always ask me like, when do you get a break? And I used to say when I die and that's the way I lived. And now when I read prior emails, notes that I would send to myself because I used to write for healing, that was my mm. son. And one of the things that I hate myself, you know, I've ruined my life. Um, you know, why am I this way? And I was repeating this pattern, this cycle for all these, uh, let's say about like, you know, 20 something years um, Mm. in the four years that I had without any trauma when I was four. so Mm -hmm. That's my story. And the part of when I was 16 is when I really showcased my resiliency when, you know, I was physically abused. I was beat up. My face was purple. My glasses didn't fit on my face. I, you know, wasn't able to attend school. I was in high school at the time, I think ninth, 10th grade. Mm. None of my friends understood what was going on. And this is where the challenge comes in regarding corporal punishment and regarding discipline in the South Asian culture. So possibly this is not abuse to uneducated and ignorant people in you know, India, but in America, you don't uh, physically beat a child up to the point where you know they're black and blue. Mm-hmm. So one of my family members had done that and they were also going through their own things at the time that they didn't heal from. So I believe they took their anger out on me Mm. situation in their life. And I was like the punching bag, but then I allowed myself to repeatedly be that punching bag, but I didn't know any better. I was just a kid. Right. But that led on to me still being a victim up until last year, last summer, 2020, when Mm. I was still being physically abused um, uh, after This is another aspect of my story. After my abortion, um, someone put their hands on me. And this is when I said enough is enough. And for the first time, I hit them back. These Mm -hmm. have hit me all of my life. I don't believe in violence and hitting someone and they're older than me. So out of respect, I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I did. I slapped them back. And that's how I ended it, is that you can no longer put your hands on me. Mm -hmm. But I just want to go back quickly to the point when, you know, I was 16. I went to the, you know, to the police for help. I went to the police station and they turned me away. I went to my school counselor. They turned me away and the social worker never came back. So I had no help. Um, That's the point where I wanted to die because there was no one helping me. You know, my Mm -hmm. own, he didn't help me. Um, strangers weren't helping me. So I just didn't understand why that was happening to me. Mm. And just to be clear, where was this? This was in America in Pennsylvania.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. because we hear all this stuff about child abuse and child services and, you know, people coming in and sometimes, unfortunately, that is not the case where you don't get the help that you actually need when you're asking for help.
1: Yes. It's very surprising because I remember telling my guidance counselor what was going on at home, going on at home with me. And she was from a different culture as well, not the South Asian culture. But right. she, she understands the cultural differences. And I was 16 at the time, but she never took any steps right. to my home environment or have an officer or someone go. Like no one ever. It's really unfortunate because I'm one of the blessed ones to still survive it because, you know, in the Middle Eastern culture, they have honor killings. And there's a movie called What Will People Say on Amazon. It's by a Middle Eastern director, I believe, mm-hmm. who is modern. And she faced uh, such barriers where, you know, her family sent her back to Pakistan wow. and, um, because they found her with a boy and um, they will kill women right. about right. things like that. Right. So for me... The reason was a boy, too. It was um, a text message that the abuser had saw that said, um, I have a crush on a boy. And they totally flipped out. And I was actually sleeping when I was beat up. I was in my sleep and they started punching me while I was in my sleep. Wow. It was really shocking. I came home from school and um, they were uh, assuming that I was going to see boys after school, you know, being in the and but I wasn't. I was with my friend having pizza and a dairy queen every day. Why? Right. but this person assumed so bad things about me. Right. Of their bad life. Right. They beat me up. And then they also are racist. So they saw me with a black boy mm. and a head in the wall. Mm. Racism and it's their own beliefs. Absolutely. So, um, I'm just fortunate that I'm educated enough to know better. And right now they live a miserable life. Like I've seen it I know, and they look horrible and they are miserable and they are broke. Mm.
0: So,
1: you know what? <laughs> yeah.
0: Wow. You have. Wow. You know, one of the things that stuck <laughs> out for me um, as you're in the process of healing and clearly writing a book on resiliency, um, yeah. everything that you've been through, um, victim. What does victimhood represent to you?
1: man to me victimhood is where you're stuck and you can't get out of it because i know there's a book called forgiveness where there's different stages and right now um i'm past the survivor stage i'm in the forgiveness stage mm giving those people where, you know, hearing their name doesn't make me angry, thinking mm-hmm. about them to make me angry. Every day, morning and night, before I go to bed, when I pray, I pray on those people's names that I wish them healing and change of their paradigms and um, protection of the kids that are in their uh, presence and for those kids to not commit suicide. And I really pray on these things because I've seen the damage that's been done into their personal families. Mm-hmm. To me, they do that to their kids, but on a less a uh, serious level that mine was. You know? mm. So you mentioned
0: something really amazing earlier that you know you've been through all these things since um, you were five and yeah. almost hit to the point of clinical depression and you know suicidal ideation and almost didn't care to live. Uh, two things That's that struck thing. out was journaling. All the things that are you know really the your story is very impeccable to me because it sounds like you have self healed through reading and through self-improvement um, yes. or, you know, not sought because, you know, you know me, you know what I do for a living, but, um, and this is exactly why this podcast is in place. It's like all the things that people do in therapy and obviously this Podcast is not to replace therapy, but the work that you do outside of therapy is just as important and important part of your healing. And, you know, thus I have all these guests coming from all these different parts of life, adversities and self-healing because not everybody has access to therapy like we were discussing earlier when we talked about this show or, you know, before the show. And, um, so talk, talk, tell me about where your self-healing journey started. What led to that? Where, what place were you in that, you know, you were like, okay, th- th- something's got to change.
1: It's interesting. I never said this before, but I'll say it now. Love. So I did have a boyfriend when I was younger, you know, we were like childhood lovers for we 12 mm-hmm. years on and off, um, mm-hmm. no longer, uh, mm-hmm. We don't have contact, but it was toxic, you know, because we were both toxic to one another and you could just create yep. a bond. But starting off, we both questioned that, you know, we would never wish that on anyone and like, why is yeah. to me? But, you know, that person, my whole life, he never understood why um, I was the way I was because I never spoke on it. I didn't communicate. Right. But people always knew there was something wrong with me, but they just knew that I. they didn't know what it was. Oh, right? what it went into like love and relationships. The second thing was really uh I used to talk a lot and text a lot to my friends. So finally this one friend that I had, and I'll say her name because uh we're cordial now. Her name is Monsi Patel and she's one of the people I used to spend time with in my group and she gave me like a composition book and she said Pratiba here's a journal I'm not always gonna be around to hear you. <laughs> Aww. Uh that was um kind of like relief for her possibly because she wasn't going through such a burden but mm-hmm for me to write and, but I've always been writing, honestly, writing poems, writing about what happened to me. Um, even writing about like the abuser, all that stuff helped me heal Mm -hmm. writing. And I would say love, um, that specific person possibly God had placed into my life to help me survive that time because Mm -hmm. I don't know how else I would have all those. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, so you you said something really amazing, the love part. That's amazing because I, I, I truly believe that, people come into our lives to serve a purpose they you know serve their purpose sometimes they stay forever and sometimes they serve their purpose and they leave and you know um different people in different phases of our life come in to teach us lessons big lessons and then you know whatever it is that our our spiritual contract with them is they meet that purpose and then, you know, their purpose is met. Um, so I'm really glad that to hear that you had some sort of support through that, even though it, now looking back, you know that it was dysfunctional. Um, yeah. But, you know, you are both in your healing journeys and it was meant for a reason. But another thing that that you mentioned that that's very important, and I really want to have, emphasize that, you know, journaling. I know people are like, oh, here we go, therapist talking about journaling. But, you know, there are so many studies that, and research actually shows, it's amazing that you mentioned that, because even through my dark days and through my depressive and suicidal days before I got help, that was one of the things that I absolutely used to do was just write. And studies have shown, like there was a study done where they did like, control double-blind study where one control group were with both both groups having depressive symptoms, and then one group was asked to journal and the other one was not. And their symptoms were so, you know, studied over time. And they noticed that just within two, three weeks of journaling consistently every day in nine, five to 10 minutes, even five to 10 minutes of journaling, The people that were showing depressive symptoms had alleviated their symptoms by just the mere act of writing and writing as in not, you know, you are writing to publish, but it's writing to just get your thoughts out there, get your emotions out there. Sometimes you can go back and read it if you want to. But that's something I really truly recommend to all my patients in the beginning. Like, even when we have like EMDR trauma specialty therapists, I'll, you know, and we do some amazing work and subconscious reprogramming. I always tell people go back and write everything down because you might, because sometimes there are things that we go through, there are some things we feel that don't have words, you can't always put things in word, they happen in your subconscious. But just as you know, some people use drawing, some people use art, some people you do poems, whatever, whatever your creative outlet or your outlet is journaling is such a big part of healing in the depression journey or in the adversity journey, you know, because it just really helps to put your thoughts out there, get your emotions out, you don't have to keep it in, it helps in letting go, it helps in you know, not holding all that in, especially when you're, because after a while, it's like, you know, your dark bucket gets filled up. And then what do you do? You know, so it really is cathartic. So I'm so excited that to hear that even, you know, you didn't know This particular part but you did that I didn't know that I was doing that even through my you know process but it's amazing how writing and being grateful and you know doing all these activities can really be such a big part just like you were mentioning earlier you know as a part of your healing journey, there are some things that you do, but then, you know, most people don't do these things and then they wonder why, you know, and sometimes people don't know to do these things. So I'm really glad that you brought this up. So um, another thing that struck me when you were talking was uh, you read this book and you're in this different phases. You felt yourself in the victimhood. Can you tell me what the, your different phases like, look
1: like? For me? Oh, from the beginning. From the beginning, The first phase would be not understanding why, you know, people who love me and care for me are doing that to me. Mm -hmm. Why is no one standing by my side? The second phase would just be plain numbness. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was, I became shy. I didn't really have a reaction to things. I didn't have friends. Mm -hmm. Um, possibly no one in my phone book. Um, I was not socializing. Um, Yeah, in school, like uh, I had moved schools, uh, moved to New Jersey at the time, and I was really clinically depressed and I possibly spoke to one or two people. Mm -hmm. Then my phase was when I went to a youth group in a church and I fell to my knees and I cried and I prayed to God because I had lost faith in God, Mm -hmm. one of the things. And um, it's interesting because some relatives were uh, having me believe, like uh, questioning why and I was just like, there is no God. (laughs) And um, the next thing was that. So when I went to that youth group, the day after, mm-hmm. I was back to myself somehow. Um, possibly my belief that this is going to cure me maybe or really God's hand. Like some things, you know, are not understandable in life. Mm-hmm. So it really helped me going to that youth group. And also the abuser no longer being in my presence. The person's mm-hmm. getting from the location I live in. And then me finally able to spread my wings and regain like back some of who I'm like um, laughter and uh, things that I like to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then really starting to drive, and I would go out a lot. Um, not even necessarily like partying, but just the fact that I felt like I had freedom to like mm-hmm. drive anywhere. Yeah, wow. And a lot of tattoos and piercings, so expressing myself with art and travel. Hmm. Mm, that's awesome. And you mentioned
0: that, um, one of the things you mentioned, so when you were going through your clinical depression phase now, retrospectively, mm-hmm. I think you can tell me that. And also with age, I think comes wisdom, you know, um, did you know, or what were, did you know that you were going through depression?
1: Yeah, actually I even went through clinical depression, um, end of 2019, No, mm. uh, last year, like before, um, Honestly, I was suffering all, even when I was pregnant as well, because I didn't have support um, mm. or the his father and I was broke. Uh, I was home. So uh, before that, yeah. Cause I lived in Thailand, but it was really challenging for me. I didn't speak the language and I lived in an isolated rural area and there was not much for me to do. There was no socialization. It led me to be clinically depressed and I knew I was, but I was just um, seeing when's the next time I'm going to get out of it. Every time I would fall into depression, um, I would think you know the next chapter is just going to you know pull me out of it whatever it is right faith that something will Mm, Awesome.
0: And then you mentioned something about, so where do you see yourself now? And how did you, like you mentioned that in the past couple of years, you've had breakthroughs. And now, you know, you do what you do as a result of your self healing and paying it forward. So tell us what your life looks like now. How did you get to a place from all of that to now pulling all of that together?
1: What did that process look like? I would like to say it's magic, although it's not. It, <laughs> it really is. It happened very fast. Uh, so my abortion is what led me to it because after I had the abortion, I made uh, you know basically took an oath that I am going to be successful. I have to do what I need to do mm-hmm. um, because as a woman, that's one of the worst things that can happen is for you to make a decision for that because you're not financially and mentally stable, right? Um, uh, which was my decision that I made, mm-hmm. and then. But it's not initially, of course, something I want because, um, my background is also in education. I'm a teacher. I teach kindergarten and, um, fourth grade, all different ages. Mm-hmm. So uh, I love kids. So of course having abortion is not the best thing, right. but, um, um, so what changed was after that happened, um, I have to say I was very rock solid as in there's no fear inside of me because when you go through surgery in a process like that, um, life changes your whole perspective on people and everything changes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I really became more than a warrior. Like I, um, I only have myself and I look to nature for healing. I just mm-hmm. went out to the trees and, you know, I follow Sadhguru's teaching. So I watched a lot of Sadhguru and mm-hmm. honestly, he possibly saved my life during that time. And I wouldn't say I was depressed because luckily I was around, uh, family at the time. And it is those people who have hurt me in my past. However, during that time they had come together for that part, but then they wanted to abuse me again. And that's when I was like, no. So actually Mm -hmm. being busy, um, the people were moving and like painting houses and I was very active and I started working out and eating healthy Mm -hmm. is how I wasn't depressed during that time. Wow. Um, I've never been depressed since uh I lost my kids. Um mm-hmm. there's just no need for me to, I don't have time to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's not like um where I'm in um where I'm not aware of it. You know, I have a professional therapist that I saw from mm-hmm. May now. Mm-hmm. Um and that's what helped me. But the biggest thing is I use um, you know, my unemployment funds. To invest in myself, and I invested in Celeste Brown motivational speaking, where I met a whole community of people, which are all my new friends, people I collaborate with, and have known for months now, and some I've met in person. Then I invested again into um, Mr. uh, Bob Proctor's Proctor and Gallagher Institute, so I study um, with his material, and I have a coach, a great coach, John Tellerico, who I'm friends with as well, and. Um, meeting him in person. And I went to speak in Georgia and really just kept going. Did a book collaboration, did a lot of interviewing. (laughs) I just, um, uh, I skyrocketed. There was no stopping me, basically. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I invested again in two more programs and um, I really read books and I really did the work. I was disciplined. Mm -hmm. Wake up early in the morning. And I have to say that The most courageous thing is that I completed my bachelor's degree after my abortion with good grades as in an A and B during the summer, like three months after my abortion surgery. And then I just graduated now, completed that while being a motivational speaker and creating with Chai Together, which is not something an average person can do. Oh, Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Talk
0: about warrior. Yes. I mean, just hearing your story gave me goosebumps. But that's amazing. You know, I I really... Uh, I'm so happy to see that you are soaring and that's ama- that amazing things are coming your way, but all of that wouldn't have come in or wouldn't be happening if you wouldn't have been so disciplined, if you didn't take the lessons and if you didn't continue to invest in yourself. You know, that's something that I truly, truly believe in, that a part of the healing journey is about uh, you get to a place of paying it forward and you know, um, giving it back to others when you've been through such a struggle. I feel that, you know, the bigger your struggles, the greater your story, you know. So I think sometimes we don't realize that when we're in the thick of it, but um, somehow at so you know from what you just said because you're so disciplined you're so into self-learning you're so into investing in yourself and you know becoming your better self and continuing to transform Um, what was what was it like for you to like where did the whole concept of hope come in because I know that um, you know because a lot of times people they're they're working on some of these things but like because of you i mean because of your abortion you were able to be like wow it was like literally transforming because you wanted to do that but you couldn't you didn't have the ability and you made that decision for yourself and i'm so glad that you took that decision and you were able to do what's right for you and fell free as a result of that so what what how did talk, talk to me about uh, hope um a little and what would that what would you say to that in your life um, because I really think that hope is a very big thing that people look forward to when they're going through a thick of it and it's not like all of a sudden one day the switch is flipped
1: I can't even say that hope was a part of my life after abortion it was really just patience yeah calmness of mind I really was I didn't speak much I observed yeah. more mm-hmm. I increased my mindfulness because of Sadhguru at the time. Um, And I honestly just patiently waited to get through that time. So once those people started behaving the same ways they used to before with me, Mm -hmm. when it came to an end is when um, I also, you know, did the same thing that they did to me Mm -hmm. and some piece of their own, like medicine, you know, um, I knew that time was not going to last for long. I knew those people wouldn't stay in my life for long. They were just there for that period of time. Mm -hmm. And I knew knew that I had to do something with my life because I had no direction before. So um, their death didn't necessarily go in vain because they gave me direction for my life. But I can't tell you that I knew uh, what was next or any of those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just knew that I'm a grieving mom. Mm. Uh, I didn't even know abortion grief was a thing, but
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's restless to succeed. Um, I didn't sleep in. Sleeping in is not an option when, um, you know, two kids uh, carelessly have lost their lives because of a situation I was put in due to other people's actions, which led me to that thinking to do that. So um, day and night, you know, my why was uh, my kids. And Mm. yeah. Mm. Wow very powerful
0: um so tell us a little bit about chai tea um I mean chai tea chai your Chai together tea. yeah chai tea.
1: <laughs> it's okay <laughs> no yeah that's the westernized way yeah so chai together came about um due to my mom it's inspired by my mom the title of it however I created a YouTube page called chai together because my mom and I drink chai together it's the mm-hmm. Indian masala chai not chai tea as it's westernized because yes chai tea you're saying <laughs> i'm actually tea drinking tea.
0: indian chai yeah. right
1: now so i'm like hmm, chai tea because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know chai tea chai means tea so you're saying tt twice right <laughs> it's funny and so that came about and you know i i didn't even speak in front of a camera before and the mm. was practicing creating my video for it like you know but then I didn't, but joining Mr. Les Brown's power voice, it really brought out my power voice where I created my three minute video, submit it. It went on to Mr. Les Brown's website mm. um, on his website. It went viral and I spoke on his summit, but, um, back to try together. The first video I created is inspired by my mom. Then I talked about her condition, talked about side effects, talked about things. And then it led me to interview my first guest. Who's my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, Kawan Glover, and he's a three-time brain surgery survivor. stroke. He's been on this show, actually. Like, he's, he was the well, second yeah, on the show. Yeah, Yes. He's so awesome. Yeah. And I became friends with him. He was my first guest. And my try together just skyrocketed um, since he's been on. And, you know, I'm booked out till this year as well. And That's awesome. I, I was just, uh, I'm a great networker. Uh, mm. Do things fast. I see that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm so excited that you, you're on here you know and your story is amazing what you do and how you pay it forward so what is the future what does what the next five years or next 10 year pratiba they try together
1: dream? dreams wow yeah the goal <laughs> is i am a billionaire and you know someone once asked me uh, someone asked me i don't know what they're thinking is but you know why do you want that much money it's like why not you know right <laughs> the more you have, the more you can give. My goal for Chai Together has always been to supply education to children in third world. I lived in Thailand for 10 months and I saw what it's like to live in a, in a country that's impoverished. And, you know, we spoke a bit on the rural poverty in India and I've looked into things as well. And um, I know someone who's created a school there. My goal is to create, you know, a thousand orphanages and schools all together. And I have big dreams. And the thing is... Um, my coach, Mr. Michael Baptiste, he's one of my coaches. And he says, you know, if your dreams are, you know, big enough to fulfill in this lifetime, like they're not big enough. And this is my goal. So I have a suicide prevention project in India um, called Give a Phone, Save a Life during the pandemic um, for children for their education with Aryan Mishra, who lives over there. And um, that's what we do, uh, donations. So I'm already doing it. I'm already supplying education in that way. So it's an incredible I love it.
0: I absolutely love it. Thank you so much. Uh, So tell us, how can people find you? You are such an amazing powerhouse. And I would love for people to be plugged into your energy, your, you know, um, self healing practices, and can't wait to pick up your book when it comes out. Um, Absolutely my favorite topic resilience. So um, love to hear, you know, all the details that go in a book. Uh, So tell us where you can be found.
1: Yeah. So you can find me on YouTube, chai together, um, C H A I, the word together, mm-hmm. chai L C on Instagram. Um, my Facebook is Pratiba Day. My LinkedIn is Pratiba Day. And you can Google me on Google Podcast, Spotify, Apple. My name will pop up. Just Google me in general. I'll pop up the Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You are
0: everywhere. You are an amazing um, resource to have, be plugged into, and just a, such an mm-hmm. amazing story and uplifting life that you now live and continue to be in this process of healing and advocacy for mental health and you know the whole world of mental health so i'm so are you
1: i hear you guys need to uh, hear her speak on her instagram live she's really great too
0: oh thank you (laughs) i really appreciate you plugging in so sweet i I really really was excited to see you the other day but absolutely you know that's one of the things that i wanted out of this experience was to be connected with people who are like-minded who are you know Paying it forward through their learn journeys. Um, that that was one lesson that I definitely got taught. Whereas the process of my healing and my psychotherapy was, I saw my therapist. I mean, she absolutely changed my life, and there is a reason why I'm even here to tell my tale. Otherwise, I yes. didn't make it. And you know, it's just amazing because I now knowing everything that I know and have been through, it, it, and I like you, you'll not believe this, but you know, when I started this podcast in November, I was petrified of being on the camera and I mean, I used to do speaking engagements and stuff like with my staff and training and stuff, but never put myself out there on social media and just had all my stuff, you know, (laughs) authentically and vulnerably out there. But I felt that there was so much going on this year that people needed hope, people needed peace, people needed a purpose to make it through and become the best version of themselves, because I truly think that we all have greatness within us. And then we get Compiled with all this stuff, life happens. And then I think we just have to at some point start unpacking that, healing from that. And then, you know, we soar as a result of our stories. So I really think that and that that was one of the reasons why it was, you know, having you talk about victimhood and getting to a place where that's not an option anymore. And, you know, post-traumatic growth is what we're after, and which is you know, most people experience post-traumatic growth as a result of, and a lot of people actually, it's not very common. Resilience is very common where it's your ability to bounce back after trauma. But very um, small number of people experience post-traumatic growth, which is where we really go in deep, look at their beliefs and then change all of their beliefs as a result of what they've been through, change their values and change the trajectory of their life and where they're going. So. That's amazing to me. That's a cool concept. So thank you so much for being here. And I'm so excited to be connected with you and, you know, look forward to do amazing things with you and collaborate with you in the future as well. Yeah, Um, absolutely. so thank you guys for tuning in today. I really appreciate you um, plugging in every week. I hope you really uh, enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording with Pralitiba. And I will have all her information in the show notes. So please reach out to her, connect with her, plug into her you know, inspiration and motivation that she endlessly and so joyously and passionately um, gives out to the world. So thank you so much for being here today and see you next time. Until
1: then, have a blessed day. Oh,